Oh my god, how could she possibly do this? I mean, it's not actually for a good reason, man. She was mind-controlled by the freaking Dark Judges. In, De- in Dead World, Anderson comes to, comes, comes to, she shielded herself and played possum at just the last moment and avoid being killed by just De- Judge Death, but now she has to deal... Super great sight, though. Totally, Play, yeah. Playing possum should be an innate ability. I mean, it seems a good one to learn, especially when you're just dealing with um, the undead a lot, I guess? Um, especially the psychic undead that apparently well so if i'm getting mind penetrated by 4x undead people yeah i want to play possum a little bit so they stop uh undead jacket i mean it is one of those things about um being here being heroic and stuff that like uh there's not a lot of like if i'm under attack eventually i'm just gonna pretend to be dead until they stop attacking me but it doesn't happen a lot in like fights like that i don't know but anyhow, so in other words, yeah. possums know the ultimate way of escape. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies and stuff where a guy, where hero, like if, especially if you're a goon, where heroes fight you until you stop giving resistance, you know. And um, if that means, and they, but they don't like check your pulse or do a finishing shot or anything like that. So you probably could just play possum and live to fight another day. You know what I'm saying? Fucking fair. I always assume myself to be instead of a hero because I feel like there there are more people in goon roles than in hero roles. <laughs> Better to look a goon and be a hero than be a hero and tr- goon. Whoa. That's if Space Spinner has anything to say, always looking. It's true. Anyhow, um so Anderson's a so cute. <laughs> the dark judges are killing folks at Ron Reagan using all their various powers, you know, um rotten, you know, Mortis is rotten people, fear is scaring people with this mask, all that stuff. Um, judges arrive on the scene. These are fire hose to douse judge fire and the dark judges make their escape using these teleporters. They arrive on an uptown train and continue their grim work. It's cool. Okay. If anybody, I know uh, at least a fair few have been on train in, uh, in the UK, uh-huh. uh, going for work or off of work. The best thing that could possibly happen is for apparitions appearing on your train and doing some cool shit that you may or may not. <laughs> just long as just so there's incident instead of just another gray uh, commute in. Oh my god! There's only so many podcasts you can really listen to other than Space Spinner 2000. Your podcast you should go to for possibly the best action. Whoa. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so Anderson returns to Mega City One in time to get to Justice Central just as reports of the attack on Ryan Reagan come in. What has she done? The three thirty uh, I oh, guess sorry. maybe did a thing. Yep. Unleash the dark judges. Out. No, it's fine. The three thirty uptown zoom arrives and with it the dark judges, and they're just killing everybody they come into contact with. Judges are are sent out as Anderson explains how she was conned by Judge Death into freeing the judges. Apologies don't cut it from a gruder though, and Anderson is sent to quarters ahead of a full disciplinary hearing and pro- probably sentence to Titan. Yeah. I have an issue with this a little bit. Like, right, okay, so she's she's cool uh, and I love don't get me mm-hmm. like she's talking about disciplinary hearing, apparently that it means like bitch you're going to Titan place to get cybernetic stuff. But this is also the judge just sent the alternate but the future to also stop a uh, mutant that you really know about, like yep. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like immediately send her there. I, I, I get the tension. It's more of just uh, I'm fairly protective of my favorite. Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, you know, Dread's been in trouble like this stuff too. I mean, especially like for instance, after the uh, 
after the Judge Child's uh, story, the first one, and stuff like that. I mean, mm. you know, no one's bigger than the the theory is that no one's bigger than the Justice Department. And I mean, listen, fair. the idea of having a hearing means that Anderson is getting way more of a trial than, say, everybody else who the judges <laughs> deal with. Then, hey, 30, 30 years in the ice cubes. And 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 I will say it, it does up the ante a little bit in terms of that she immediately can't do something. But when things. Yeah, uh, she does. She does. Uh, it gives them a, an ability. I mean, you know, I'm just saying that that um, a disciplinary hearing is way better than um, 18 years in the ISO cube as cubes, as we'll see in Tread later this, this, this month, you know, <laughs> um, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, judges arrive at uh, the Dunk Rinaldo block, who was the actor that played the Cisco Kid, where the dark judges are killing people left and right again, even in bed. They're just sort of filtering through the block, taking people out. Well, well, like the idea is that they're alerting all blocks to do a thing, so all of the like city well, yeah. death people are going on full activation, but really all that does is just murder. A lot of people. Well, that's what happens next. Yeah. Um, I mean, first we see that, yeah, like they're, they, they're teleporting out as soon as the judges arrive, they seem unbeatable. Side of vision can't track them. And in her quarters, Anderson's brainstorming a way to stop them. And then, yeah, we see block city defenses being rallied as dark judges continue their assault. The army of Casper Weinberger block, the then current U S secretary of defense and future around Contra per, uh, perpetrator was um, are getting ready to fight until the dark judges actually do show up and they, the slaughter's unstoppable. There's a cool part with Judge Fear pulls a bear trap out of his pocket and just uses it yes! to latch the doors closed so they can't I, escape. What's what's crazy is like I, I love that they make a note of everything's going bear trap uh, closes the door and then just all of their gunshots they don't just miss they don't hit anything other than other right. people. <laughs> They're definitely their friends and, and colleagues. Yeah, they, they kill their own uh, block captain and all that stuff. It's ridiculous. Oh, just murder. Always murder. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Anderson asks a tech division guy if they've ever managed to replicate Death's dimension jump, and they sort of have, mm. but they can't tune it. So instead, just kind of sends you to limbo when they try to use it. This gives Anderson an idea, and she runs out. Judges are on the scene at Casper Weinberger, and the dark judges are getting pissed about their judges' constant interference. Anderson gets one of these test devices and some limpet mines, because she's got a plan. Limpet mines, dude. Limpet mines came back. Always a fan of limpet mines. Always glad when limpet mines return. God damn it. Yeah, and she'd better act on this new plan, as the judges have just materialized in the sleeping quarters of the Grand Hall of Justice. They're here. Next time, eternal rest for the wicked. I'm really excited for the fact that Poltergeist, the movie, gets solved with limpet mines. Absolutely. Listen, I mean, so many problems can be solved by just attaching a sticky bomb onto it and then exploding it. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, if, if we've learned anything uh, from future sports... Mm-hmm. It's that limpet mines are absolutely a great idea. But do you know what, Conrad? Mm. It's a really great idea. What is a great idea? Uh, causing massive amounts of carnage. Is a, is a great idea also a, a, a complex system of cosmic balance, uh, right, uh, listing good, good and evil against each other um, to sort of form no, man. A, 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 a neutral stance? 
No, dog. Uh, what's really important is, uh, I guess, eating like uh, several eyed beasts because even though it smells like feet, you're gonna have a good meal. Yeah, let's do all three in <laughs> Thrill to Slain. Why is Slain all encompassing of the world? I want. I mean, there's a lot going on in Slain. Uh, script <laughs> robot Pat Mills, art robots Glenn Fabry and David Pugh, letting robot Steve Potter. So when we last left, Slain had won the Battle of Clontarf. It's done freeing Ireland of both Vikings and Scythrons. There's an account of the battle rendered here with Valkyries weaving the, weaving the web of men, using bloody spears, swords, and human heads for a loom. It's cool. It's beautiful, really. Yeah. Like, a, a, it's an absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, real great art, uh, Fabry art here. Slain mm-hmm. also lays dying after defeating Elfric. The, in the Eternal Fortress, they want to bring Slain home, but of course, the evil Slough Feg is holding them hostage. One of the Atlanteans grabs Feg, and Nest works the time controls, sending Slain back in time a few hours to before he was wounded. Uh, you know, uh, the only thing I'll say about this is, I guess, like. It's like the kid on the playground saying, like, yeah, but I'm a Scythron and also laser guns argument, like, uh, and super like this. Uh, It was just kind of like fast forward to cool action, which not angry, but Mm. also like no one, no one can really do anything about the Slough fake. Yeah, I mean, it's fair, but I, yeah, they are kind of getting the next point and stuff like that. Um, Of course. Yeah. So Slain, um, more Scythrons arrive and, and destroy the control. So Slain's only traveled a few, a few hours and they have to fight alone as Slain arrives in Elware. Yeah, you see. Um, ELS dash. Um, in the new such, such great prose. A lot of, lot of L, L puns here. Um, in this new dimension, he meets the man who replaced in the battle, Murdoch, um, son of Brian Borg. He's having a great time on this pile of swords and bodies. He's living it up. Yeah, he's the king of Ireland now and demands respect, but Slain just spits at him. The two Celts fight, and Slain's the clear victor because he's real awesome. But he's Do you know still... what I love about this page? What? The part where you sucker punch a dude in the, in the gut and then punch him in the face and then kick him down and say, well, I'm clear best. Always. God, yeah, man, he'll kick your butt. However, Slain still gives Murdoch a uh, sword, and they start their journey to find food in this strange place. They arrive at a watering hole to find a giant three-eyed being they're calling Pluke. Um, yeah, it's a three-eyed Pluke monster. The two men prepare to attack when it's suddenly set upon by a gang of L women who are sexy warrior ladies, but Slain is skeptical about them being friendly. And then kind of like a, a Zerg ten monster in like yeah, i, I love everything going on with slain right it's the same monster it's be. just sort of uh flying in the air here um so pluke is the scottish word for pimple fox if, if you didn't know that um well at, as someone afflicted uh in in the past by the curse i appreciate it. indeed what so pluke's being attacked by these l women even as his co- Another one of his kind tries to help by like lowering mm. its gross um, multi-tongue. <laughs> Murdoch tries to get it on with multi-tongue these. Multi-tongue li- is such a cool word. Yeah, it's sorry, doing its own thing. It's sort of a tongue tentacle, tentacle, tentatongue. Mm. Uh, Murdoch tries to get it on with these ladies, but Slain doesn't. He refer he prefers a lady with some meat on her bones, possibly due to being part of a goddess cult. And we see the uh, I forget well, what they well, call he, it the uh, the no, Venus he, of something he, or other, right? Exactly. He warns Murdoch. He's like, why did no one teach you that these L women literally are here to eat and kill you? It's super fair. 
yeah. and eat you. Uh, he's like trying to protect him for a while. He lets him go off thing just so that he can get the jump on them and literally slay these women. <laughs> yeah, they all have... I. I always notice they have these big square lipstick things seem odd. But they seem game to help with Murdoch until they re- mm. or to do stuff with Murdoch until they react poorly to Slane's iron sword because all these guys don't like iron. Yeah, apparently L's iron. Yep. I, I imagine it's a thing. It's just, there's a I lot mean, of like, yeah, like it's old a, world stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of magic stuff. Doesn't really like like cold cold iron or whatever. A fight mm. breaks out. The L women develop big vampire teeth, and Slane kills them all pretty graphically. <laughs> honestly, like there's a lot it's, of like throat throat slicing and stuff. Slane cuts a rope, sending the final survivor down a bottomless gorge, and we see the L women once they're dead revert to their true form, which are sort of gross slug, crom uh, crack uh, 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 creatures. Anyhow, like three quarters face into a into a slug thing, but also like, hey, we've got the fluke thing right here. I guess what are we going to do with it? Back to lasers. We'll better eat it. Absolutely. Meanwhile, at the fortress, <sighs> these Scythrons are attacking and we see that Uko lacks the earth power to use a laser gun. He tries to do it in just sort of a little like spurt. Like, so is this like a, uh, is this like a sex thing? I have to ask you. I mean, like, is it, it, it was definitely... super weird. Re- if if Uko was a real guy, this would definitely be designed to emasculate him for sure. But I mean, because it is emasculating. Yeah. But it's but most, kids yeah. wouldn't understand it. I mean, at this point, you got to imagine like it's like Slane's being like the 2080 readership is like maybe like 12 at the youngest. So so they kind of get an idea of what it's like to be piddly. At least you know that that's funny. I guess. I mean, on on the whole, just his just his um his laser gun instead of a mighty blast, just having a tiny <laughs> trickle is kind of funny. If you don't sort of add sex to it, I feel like I would have laughed at that if I was like a kid. I, I don't know. I'm not saying I didn't laugh at it. It was momentarily afterwards that I was like, uh, like, wait, like, I, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm not saying it's sex. <laughs> I'm more of just saying like it was very strange. Fair enough. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird moment of comedy in the middle of this giant fight against um, trans time aliens come to just come to eat them. Also, you know, <laughs> exactly. Especially when your dude is half human, half alien, yeah. and before then he was super bishy about like oh, scythrons. I'm half scythron. Human and Scythrons are kind of great, but not for since you think, but then the Scythrons mm-hmm. kill so, all your bros. Yeah, the fight goes poorly, and Murden's forced to intervene. We see him cutting his hand and inserting burning embers into the wound, which summons blood fire, which destroys the Scythrons. But this also empowers Slaufeg to respond by invoking uh, the, the Time Worm, which stops the, the uh, which basically freezes our heroes dead in their tracks. Uh, Slaufeg has everyone loaded onto the Scytheron ships, and they're going to see the uh, Golden, I want to say? Yeah, the, uh, something like that. The Scytheron leader. Meanwhile, Slane and Murdak are uh, finding Pluke to not be particularly good eating. And Murdak. Slane's I mean, <laughs> just eating it anyway. It's, well, you know, you got to be hungry. You got to eat. Uh, we see, and uh, Murdak's being melancholy because when he traveled through the time stream, he's trees. Through the time stream, he saw both his father and his son die, and he's pretty bummed about it. I mean, he he figured he'd see, like, some kind of Ragnarok shit. Really, I mean, if you're going into something called the time stream, you should probably figure that the whole index of time is available to you, but... Yeah. I'll give it a pass, given the man paints his face. Fair enough. Um, there's no time to be sad, though, as L riders are bearing down on Slain and Murdoch with the evil Elfric alive again at their head. They, oh, fuck yeah. 
Yeah, they ride the flying beast disc of Pluke as Elfric's evil bats come after them. As the rest of the team recovers in the Scytheron ship, and Murden explains the nature of Elle magic, that basically things have to be balanced, so things done for evil will cause good to become more powerful until good does something, and vice versa. So, and so, like previously, <sighs> when um when Murden cast like did the blood fire, he cr- did enough stuff for good to empower Slaufeg to freeze them in place. So in other words, like, uh, he's justifying, like, literally murdering a bunch of so that someone immediately has to do something good. Although I wouldn't argue that Slaufeg is doing something good. I, well, I guess all I really want to get to is, is Slain did a split kick over a dude's head while he was mounted, only to kick him and then take his mount, but then yeah. not care about his mount and, like, That's... punch him. Yeah, no, the, the the punching in the face is definitely more important than this uh, mystical hoo-ha. I can't stress that enough. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so we see this in action as the enemies array, arrayed against Slain and Murdoch and Pluke allow Pluke to fly faster and escape. Elfric swears revenge. He's the time killer now. Hell yeah. Yeah, so the uh, the Scytheron ship is this awesome skull ship. It's really it's really cool. Um like it's like made it's like made of black metal and stuff. It's being oh, followed. Dude. Yeah, it's being followed by a bunch of palooks, which Murden identifies as light elves, the opposite of dark elves, which are the guys that we've, well, but, we've been fighting. But not even dark uh or light elves, he calls them uh microbes well he says both light and dark elves are macro uh beings that affect life for good and evil just mm. as microbes can um cause you know sickness and health and things like that so i i guess my question is is plane taking place inside of my body i mean probably you know <laughs> thank god oh. That makes my my whole cellular thing just seem so much more awesome. Yeah, listen, you know, that's why we call murder mitochondria, etc. Anyhow. You are blowing my mind right now. (laughs) Yeah, freak out. These light elves are soon attacked by Scythron gun batteries, and they're basically just sacrificing themselves to help Pluke and the boys escape Elfric's bats, which he summoned last Brog. Um, Man, Pluke is so... Yeah, they're told all this by Pluke himself, who is now communicating telepathically. Um, although it's it's clear that uh, doing this kind of evil will power good, Murden kind of explains that evil can't help itself be an evil, just like Uko trying to uh, pick his pocket is just of his nature. <laughs> Pluke takes an emergency landing as a bunch of Orgots, organic robots built by the Scythrons, finish the injured Light Elves. Pluke tells Slain to leave him, and he and Murdoch head out. And even if Pluke doesn't have free will, he still has feelings. Oh, oh. Or gods approach him. <laughs> this literally breaks me because, like, I I was reading everything that Pluke was talking, about, and he's basically just I'm sacrificing myself at some. Pluke not only allowed you to eat him, flew you to the place, and then just I guess sacrifices himself. Yeah. Hashtag hashtag Pluke. Hashtag just, Pluke forever, buddy. <laughs> I I love Pluke. I'm sorry. I he's just so cute. I know he doesn't look. He's He's my favorite character. Yeah, man, he's got that. Slain. He's got that kind of uh, ugly, like Jim Henson's Workshop kind of kind of cuteness to him. I think um, nailed it. But so um, Slain can't leave Pluke because he feels the same way as we do, and it's battle time. The Earth Power is strong here as Slain's arms just become a whirling dervish of sword smites. He takes down his foes as Murdoch looks on jealously. Next time, Pagan Pact. 
Do you know what I love about Slane? What do you love about Slane, buddy? Everything that just happened. <laughs> That's super fair, buddy. Absolutely. I I, I know that Pluk, uh didn't play a super huge part. Maybe my favorite Slane character so far outside of Slane. <laughs> yeah, he he's, just, real, he's just real friendly and real generous and just a good alien beast for sure. He just let himself get totally chewed on and eaten by a dude who he then ferried to where he was supposed to go. Yeah. If that's not if that's not someone who has your back, I don't know. Is. Totally. Yeah. It's just a big. He's a. Yeah. He's a. He's like Slane's taking steroids and he's suddenly developed a healthy case of acne that's helping him out. I guess. I guess what I'm saying ah! is 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 can I eat a part of you if it means that you'll ferry me to where I will save our lives and. I mean, as always, when people ask me that question, Fox, the answer is what part? Um, <laughs> but speaking of reusing corpses, Fox, <laughs> let's oh, go no. to Thrill 3, Judge Dread. It's real gross. Yeah. It's, it's grossest because I've seen. Pretty gross. Uh, scriptro, I mean, honestly, not as not, not the grossest because there's still fungus. That's the winner. Um, oh, scri- God. <laughs> script robot John Wagner, Alan Grant of TV Grover, art robots Ian Gibson, Ron Smith, letter robot Tom Frame. Judge Dredd is at the Mega City Necropolis, different from the storyline we'll eventually get to in a couple years. I, I, when- I just want to say before we keep going. Yeah. Whenever a um, super city or cyberpunk city can say that they have a necropolis, possibly the coolest thing that you can have in this yeah, city. Yeah, good, good combo of, of uh, Greek stuff there. Uh, Necro right? and Polis, city of the dead. Um, mm. where, but this, the megacity necropolis is where the rich are stored instead of going to recycle. There, Hagatha Smeld has started to decompose, which points to her having been killed by aging poison. Well, and we yet, better look into this, right? She looks all gross and desiccated inside this glass tube. Keep her in. Um, I, I don't know what it is about melty flesh, man. Like, you can you can slice stuff, you bleed stuff. But things are melty, or I guess I learned this very recently, when mushrooms yeah. are brought to you. Especially on your tongue. Super gross. Super gross. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Oh, good, good. It's like... <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a real uh, it's a real texture fail. Yeah, Ian Gibson's doing Oof. some good work here. Um, Dread investigates the next of kin, but one of them is a lawyer and advises them not to say anything to question the interrogation. The smells know their right and are thus immune to the various things judges normally do to get con- to get confessions. Can I ask a question here? Yo. Okay. So so I wrote this down specifically, hmm. and and you don't have to tell me anything that might. Something else. Okay. So, so uh, what I've learned so far in uh, now the ten years ish. Um, so judges adhere to a law, right? Mm-hmm. And law law is in a, a big book, and there are words. Around. Yeah. And of course, there's going to be lawyers that have to navigate that. Sure. Um, but so much of what we've seen, they can just kind of like get around that. They're not they're not applicable for people who are collateral. Uh, later portions of this exact <laughs> I mean it's like seemed, for a yeah. thing like is is this a thing that comes up do can they work around lawyers it, are lawyers really a thing it like seems later? like it seems like lawyers are soup are are in megas exist but are very rare we saw we, we saw a lawyer in um in one of the Luna stories but with uh, Brian yes. Bolland as art if, if you'll remember like back in the hundreds mm-hmm. um but it seems like they're super rare and I and my, my assumption is that most even of the, knowing even knowing the future stuff 
Yeah, but like there, there are lawyers, but I feel like there just aren't a lot of them. And they mostly are, you know, working for the rich and stuff. There definitely isn't mm. a idea of a public defender in Mega City One or like there's a lawyer. No lawyer class. Yeah, or like a, um, or I mean, there's lawyer class, but I feel like they're all in, like it's what lets the mega rackets continue, right? Like the, uh, uh, the crime bosses probably all have lawyers that keep the judges from just kicking down their doors and, and arresting them all, right? But it, but for for your knowledge so far, and I won't say that you end all go all, but but you are my end all go. All. <laughs> have you have you seen anything where it addresses uh, like the legal prompts? Like, I mean, it comes up every now and then. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. I, I feel like the the big... it's not like a story arc. No, well, I mean, um, more the the big story arc we're going to start seeing actually starting next week a little bit is um, just the idea that the judges are tyrants and sort of are, are you know, and Mega City One's more of a prison than, say, a, a free city with um, just um, forces of the law or yes. whatever. Um, yes. I mean, so you know, it's kind of like wiggle room. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that exists even today where um, cops can like lie to um, to suspects and make them do things that are, you know, sort of can get consent to do things that aren't quite real. I mean, there's always, there's like the famous story of, um, of cops like using a uh, copier t- as sort of a lie detector. Like, or like a trick on the street, kind basically of stuff. just to trick somebody into doing stuff and like, you know, elicit confessions that way and things like that. Um, it's definitely, and so, you know, it's one of these things where, I, I feel like for a normal perp, they'd be like, you know, they'll get you to consent to, say, having your, to a dream scan or to lie detectors and stuff uh. like that. By, and, and they'll just sort of pressure you into doing it, basically. And so. So it's all pressure, but if you don't have the, let's say, money, which we've seen is banned, right? Like most mm-hmm. people are off the government. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the money to afford someone to read all of that stuff, right? Yeah, like to, is... to advise you in certain ways, then you're at a great disadvantage mm. in comparison to the Sneeds that, seem, that seems to be rich and able to... So it seems similar to the mayoral campaigns. Or smelt, campaign. I should say. Like the mayoral campaigns, the like anything political, they they are very top versus bottom, high street versus low. Yeah, I mean, to the extent, although I'd say also like the political stuff is more of a form of bread and circus to, the, uh, to keep the average mega citizen sort of distracted. Hmm. Like, okay. I mean, you know, it, for Mayor Dave, like the Justice Department's happy with Mayor Dave because it means that the people get the person they want and Mayor Dave isn't going to cause any trouble. That's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. No. Yeah. So anyway. I'm, yeah. <laughs> all this discussion of the Mega City One legal system eventually leads to the, <laughs> eventually leads oh, the God. smells being released. And as they toast their freedom, Dredd calls the uh, calls in the, the Robo guys, and suddenly oh an axe wielding zombie Hagatha smell bursts through their doors and starts attacking them. This elicits oh. several confessions, and the judges burst in and make arrests. Of course, you gotta play dirty to catch the real scum. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not brilliant, but I will say that from 419 to uh, it's all basically. Uh, skullduggery, trickery, and I won't say evil, but definitely, uh, it's fascism. Oh, I it's mean, it's definitely fascism. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's it's literally Judge Dread Fox. <laughs> like, I, you know, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at, and what I love about 
these four. Like, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, Judge Dredd at its base is a satire of fascism. It's always, it always has been. Anyone who says otherwise is not reading into it or at it's all. It's fucking great. Like, it's, it's barely, great. it's barely subtext, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's I, mostly I, just text. Are, are you sure that, that him masking a robot as an axe murder listed to his fashion? Are you sure? <sighs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know if it's in the dictionary definition. <laughs> but it's definitely one I'd agree with. But I do think that the level of, um, like, the fact that they first brought them in for hours in the interrogation rooms, and then, like, all the other stuff they do to take people out and stuff like that, that uh, puts them on the, on the scale, at least. Anyhow, Dredd arrives so on the scene of Ronald Reagan block to clean up from the Judge Anderson story as medtechs process all of the dead. This is another one, a uh, fascist example. dead 90s yeah. incinerations. As they work through these bodies to find various crimes that they've done post posthumously. Uh, one of the stores. Why not? <laughs> totally. One of the stores in this area is uh, Jubal Hershey's Strange Land in Emporium, which is a solid Robert Heinlein uh, reference. Jubal Horshaw, Stranger of Strange Land. They, Don't know. Yeah, you know. They find various crimes on the bodies, like a lot of people with firearms or illegals and stuff. But one of them's carrying a million bucks and isn't even that old. He's from the uh, Duff Dempsey mob, mob. And Duff and his brothers dropped off the map and went into hiding a couple months ago. This guy was probably bringing them money to help with the hiding. Okay, so I have two questions. Yeah. The one I'll, the one I'll save for the awesome entrance that we'll talk about later. Okay. Um, is Recyc ever explained Judge Shred that I can look for? I mean, we've seen it a little bit, like in that one uh, Hershey have, versus Judge never, Fink one. We've never understood what the ultimate... Do I ever understand the output or is it all kind of a... Like what products are um, come out the far side of Recyc? Yes. Um, I gotta have think... Have you ever seen I, I, I don't know if I've seen a specific, like, Recyc brand thing, but my understanding is that basically anything that needs a natural element is pretty much from Recyc. Um, you know, all I the love st- that idea. Like, all the stuff that we now would use, like, uh, like stuff from, like, maybe a horse or a pig or something like that. or, or It's like, kind of Alpha Centauri, right? Yeah, like the non-parts of a cow and stuff would probably I'm all be it. there. You know, a, okay. a, lot of, a lot of gelatins, a lot of pieces in plastic, things like that all seem like it. It's your imagination, They've right? De- like yeah, they, they've definitely hinted that, that some of it goes to food. Um, I mean, you know, it's as gross and terrifying as you want it to be. I want it to be fairly gross and terrifying. <laughs> oh, me too. Also, do you know what I love? Uh, Judge Shred driving through a building. <laughs> so, Judge has the computers run some run some checks on stuff. He's uh, He thinks he's found the Dempseys and a group of Eldsters as judges fan out to arrest the survivors of the killed people for various crimes, which is pretty good. Um <laughs> One set of Elsers is confirmed to not be the Dempsey's when one of the and when one of the death victims is, is confirmed as one of the brothers having undergone face surgery and given a new identity. Dread goes to, goes after his apartment and finds the other brothers right there disguised as old people. One of them. So how do you had, investigate? You bust through the door and the wall. Yeah, and then shoots him. <laughs> Always, they, they had a gun, dude. Um, yeah, so Dread bursts through the apartment, takes down one of them, who's become an old lady because they gotta really uh, be in deep cover. And Dread arrests Duff Dempsey. He's taken away. He's happy because living in an old person block, aka a croc block, is no fun at all. Literally, second to die. <laughs> <laughs> Fair amount of grandma death. Yeah. 
uh, at the Academy of Law, Fox, I know you like this one. Um, oh, Cadet man. Briscoe is having an assessment. He'll basically ride along in a camera, advising Judge Dredd on what to do as he goes his day. Dredd comes across a Juve gang slang, and from their markings, they're from the Frankie Wilson block, which is named for either the Motown uh, songwriter or the early British film director, Frank Wilson. Uh, Briscoe was born in that block, and before he yeah. went... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So this, this was like kind of the first question right uh, at the top was, yeah. when I was reading it, I didn't know if he was testing it or not, because I, I guess I, I just didn't grok that immediately mm-hmm. uh, from the Ram Tutor. Um, I did miss this. Uh, is it normal to have someone you direct or street? This, I mean, this seems like it's a special case that's part of, of judge training. It doesn't always happen, but it seems like, I don't know, when you're a judge, you have to do a certain amount of these you know, right. it's, it seems to go hand in hand with taking rookies out, right? It feels very uh, Dread 2016, where he's like, you're doing this, you're assessing. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, that it definitely feels like the two, um, like one drew from the other one, for sure. This idea of um, Dread with the rookie, sort of having the rookie take the lead and him sort of standing in the back, assessing things and jumping in when he has to. Right. Like where I got a little bit confused, like, Obviously, Judge Shred knows the penal code, but checking back well, yeah. in with someone, whether it's good or bad or right or wrong, is yeah, was I mean, a little weird. Yeah, no, he's doing it as part of testing the guy. He's like the, exactly. you know, he wants to see the, the comportment, and this is a safer way to do it than sending a 12-year-old out with Judge Dredd, sort of where he could potentially be killed and stuff, you know? Exactly. I, I got it once it got to the mother. Um, I was I was curious if there's ever someone kind of in your ear doing respondent stuff. I mean, it seems like there there can be, and like Dread calls it things in a fair amount, but also a lot of it's left to the judge's discretion. Though mm. you know, they operate pretty independently. That's why I asked you. You're the you're the specialist here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it seems kind of self evident to me. I guess that's why. Whatever. But anyhow, it is. Um. So they go. Um. Uh, so yeah. So Briscoe was from that block in, until he went to the academy at age five. Dread asks a passerby for info, and one of the gangs from the block, uh, the Ricks Spugs, says he'll get revenge. And it looks like there's a Juve gang war brewing. Dread arrests this informant and heads out as the forensic teams arrive at Frank Wilson. There's a rumble started, and Dread wades in. At, at the orders of Briscoe, which is pretty cool. Um, he takes Turns in his mom, basically. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, give me a second to get there, Fox. Sorry. Jesus. Um, Dread wades in and beats up all the Juves. Um, he takes them out when word comes in. They've identified some hair and fingerprints from the earlier victim. It's an old person hair, and it's an Elster gang that may have ca- uh, tried to start a war between the Juve gangs. They've analyzed the hair and it, or the fingerprint, and it belongs to Betty Briscoe, Cadet Briscoe's mother. Um, it's pretty cool. Dread goes to question her, and Cadet Briscoe gets tough, yelling at his mom for joining an Elster gang and forcing her to give up the rest of the gang, sort of doing that thing where uh, I'll count, and each time I count, it adds a year to your sentence, and she go- he gets to three before she turns them in. I mean, if you're going to, I guess, force your mom to do something is enough. <laughs> Don't I mean, get to 40. Who knows? Um, the whole gang is rounded up. Most get 15 years, but because of the counting, Briscoe gives his own mother 18 years, and thus he's passed with distinction, because that's some hardcore stuff. <laughs> Briscoe will return in a Dread novel in 1993, and he'll have a cameo in Prague 1743 in 2011. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, it's Him? just sort of... 
uh, I mean, it's just sort of a random judge, but his badge says Briscoe, and people are like, hey, I know that guy. That's I, I love this continuity stuff, man. It's Thank funny. you. I, mean, I won't remember. Yeah. No, I appreciate um, people trying to pick it back up. It is a funny thing that, like, you know, most... It, I think it's interesting how all the continuity stuff starts showing up in, like, 2010 or something. It's like, that's when people started deciding to pick up these old dreads. And before then, I was sort of like, yeah, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> any, speaking of 20 years, Fox, after 20 years in the ISO cubes, Casey Steech is released. He's an escort to the rehab facility, to, like, his, the halfway house because his old enemy, Champagne Charlie, is out for revenge, probably because after an attempted hit by Steech that caused him to go in the slammer, he's now called Cyborg Charlie, which I thought was pretty good. Um, we see Charlie himself get on, a lo- on the Luna One shuttle to establish an alibi as Charlie's robots start to attack Steech and Dredd. The rehab truck is riddled with bullets, and Dredd takes down these robot goons. There's vehicle mayhem and snipers. Eventually, they arrive at the rehab facility, where Steach is going to get a new face with his rehab consultant. Dredd leaves the room, but the rehab uh, consultant counselor guy um, lets, had, had let slipped the name of Cyborg Charlie, which is a hint Dude, for he pulled, he pulled a Yakuza situation. He pulled out that fucking knife. Yeah, well, he sort of tipped it off to Dread, and Dread bursts in as the uh, as the consultant tries to cut Charlie's face or to cut uh, Casey's face off. Um, <laughs> at this point, Steech is tired of all this danger, and when he's told he can't go back to jail, he lightly punches Dread on the chin, and he's back in for assaulting an officer. He's back in ISO Block One Hundred One, where he's once again safe. He's never leaving. So, um, at the end of this, yeah, uh, I kind of like took a little saying holy shit like sometimes like you you sort of need to see this part of dread where uh like the world does trust judges like even despite like kind of how they rule for better or worse Mm -hmm. um and like even in a, a sort of de facto state of fascism i mean everyone voted for it at some point but it doesn't seem like for um this like non immediate attempt uh at, like trying to brainwash just like crazy it's like this guy gets out of the no one tells him um that realistically like what judge shred is setting up is that he's here to set up catching somebody so like even you iso know that you're a hit target they already put a detail really what they're waiting for is to catch guys is that not fucked up <laughs> someone like I mean, they literally it's a guy who just got and now the only thing he can do is go back into the system. And what I love about the comic is like, yes, get me back into the system. Yeah, I mean... It's like, dark. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Although, I mean, this is a sort of... I mean, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to... I don't want to talk too deep it's about... It's not a super deep. About, uh, like, the nature of fascism or whatever in Judge Dredd and all this stuff. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, to an extent it kind of is, but it's also just, like, you know, Mega City 1's a terrible place. And, like, it can be incredibly dangerous. And I could definitely see, like, if you get out of prison and you spend the next couple hours constantly being attacked, you just want to go back to where you weren't about to be killed constantly, you know? Uh, absolutely. I, I guess my, my whole point is that, like, Everybody along the way knew, except for the guy who just got out of jail, who thought everything would pull after. Yeah. It's like, I mean, well, it's been like 20 years. Yeah. It's like, no, no one's going to hold a grudge that long. And he's like, nah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's as deep as you want it to be. I, I think that's my answer. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Fair. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyhow, next time on Judge Dredd, Code 99, or Code 99 Red, Judge Amuck. Whoa. 
And speaking of uh, Dark Judge action and General Judge action, it's non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. I judge uh, this as awesome covers. Yeah, Prog 419, the Dark Judges have arrived. There's snow stopping us now in this Kev O'Neill cover. In the I, nerve- don't, I don't normally talk about covers, but it's kind of the most awesome metal. Totally, with all the cool uh, Dark Judge heads flying around this fire. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. In the Nerve Center, ABC Tharg is back in town after being on vacation last week, and he's assigned Cam Kennedy a new Dread story to work on. We'll see it next episode, and it's one of my faves, The Midnight Surfer. Um, really? Yeah. More letters about the date Prague 2000 and the first Prague about the date of Prague 2000, the first Prague of the year 2000. This writer is very close to the year 2000 Prague, guessing 1178. It'll actually be 1174, but still a year off for Prague 2000. And I do want to call out that my favorite reader is this Prague in 419 with Slain the Grunks. Nice. (laughs) Dude, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Grunk with a fucking giant egg. Totally. Um, There's also letters from an older reader saying he's even older and still reading 2000 AD. A reader getting a care package of 2080 progs in Thailand. Awesome. Yeah, so someone getting his uh, his thrill fix far from home. And then this prog starts a multi-week contest brain teaser thing to win computer systems or Valiant Robo Turtles. And the prog ends with some sweet BMX stickers, the 25th anniversary of Buster, and an awesome pinup of, Torquema- of the Tomb of Torquemada by Brian Talbot. Aw, it looks cool. The first of so many tombs. Good amount of tombs. Uh, Prog 420? All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blaze yeah, that. <laughs> Hashtag lit. Hashtag 420. Hashtag not fired anybody today. Hashtag oh, so many Space Spinner episodes. Um, Hashtag kill the human, you know what I- Space Spinner 2000, blaze it. Uh, Brian Talbot draws Slane <laughs> fighting the L, the L women. Kill the human! Um, in the Nerve Center, Judge Tharg talks up this new sci-fi special, which we covered in episode 129. By the way, that the the art for this by uh, Brendan McCarthy is, is actually pretty good. Like, I love the jaw and the face. Mm-hmm. Love, I, I really like Judge. Yeah, it's a good one. There's also a picture of Crustacea Dog and letters about Dread, Halo Jones, and DR and Quinch, which are all answered with the standard response of buy the sci-fi <laughs> special for this year. <laughs> <sighs> all right, man. I mean, there is a pretty good DR and Quinch story by Alan Moore in it, which should not be passed up. Um, Any DR and Quinch story should never be passed up. Absolutely. There's another contest this week, this time to win Henshin Robos, which are pre-transformer, transforming robo toys. And hey, then, man. Yeah. Awesome. Gotta transform these robots. The prog ends with a nice pinup of Rogue fighting man bats on a cliffside at night by Robin Smith. And I like just the multiple moons. There's one sort of framing Rogue as he fights, and then one sort of in the background sort of also applying. So just some moons. It's nice. I, I just want to say, like, anytime there are bats flying in the distance, things kind of get a little bit more awesome, especially when they have swords and yeah. maybe also guns. Super spoopy for this uh, post-Halloween episode. <laughs> uh, Super spoopy? Super Double spoopy. Double spoop. Prog 421. <laughs> okay, Briscoe, what do I do now? Dread looks for direction, and he's like the eye of the storm of this hurricane, of this tornado of Ron Smith youth violence. 
In the nerve center, Tharg the Mighty One is momentarily not satisfied with the prog, but soon the better of it, thinking that's awesome. There's a picture of a, of a, of a real stainless steel rat. Yes! Yes! Yeah, it's always good. Questions about GBH's name, the availability of the Strong Team Dog video game, and a call uh, sorry, and a call out of the of Tharg's hair coloring in the 1981-2080 annual. Though, of course, they will all remember was it? it was like kind of reddish, I guess. Um, it's always like kind of like white green. Usually it's, yeah, no, it was a mist color here. It was, it was the same color as uh, the 2080 like uh, banner at the top of the, yeah. of the thing. Maybe it was going through a phase, whatever. Totally. Stark. He's yeah. the mighty one. I mean, it's no worse than the 1980 2080 annual where they had uh, Dredd's helmet be like black and silver instead yeah. of red, you know? Um, don't talk about such things. Exactly. Mid prog, there's more. Co- there's some color reader art, which is nice. There's also a color ad here, so maybe they just couldn't sell enough color ad space yeah. and they just toss some reader art in it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, so clearly it was for an advertise, whatever, because you always have reader art. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe the most trippy ad I've ever seen for a like a, a mobile keyboard. Yeah. Like I, I have friends who have them and bought them because of. Uh, like old ads and stuff like used to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would it would normally just show the case and someone playing and explaining like the because I, I had friends yeah. music but like it, it used to just say like here's here's the range in which you can do in all the settings that you can have in this one it literally tells you nothing except for peat acid trip yeah flying through keys. through a yellow piano music uh, uh, spacescape is pretty neat <laughs> uh, for the time by the way they were super good yeah just synth keyboards man i'm in Totally, yeah. So if you like the if you like that Star Shadow comic, it's being reprinted starting uh, in Prog Four Twenty One, and then pass. yeah, and then as this episode comes out, Fox, the the week it'll be released, Prog Twenty One Oh Six will also be released by the House of Tharg, which means yeah. that with Prog Four Twenty One, we've covered twenty percent of two thousand AD. Are you serious? Yeah, freak out. Do I do I make an UG now? Hold on. Ugh. <laughs> you know, oh our last one was like at six. Left. Yeah, it was like at sixty. But you know, we're making progress. We'll sort of no, get there. That's, that's awesome. By the way, we'll catch up to you in like uh, like twenty years. We'll see you then. I mean, less than twenty, but definitely a while. Uh, Prog four twenty two, the grave face of future war. Robin Smith draws yes. this road cover. The chips come in. They're like, we're unique. We're genetic. We're dead. <laughs> uh, I mean, so like. I, I actually really like this cover in terms of, like, color and, and structure. I don't like the story whatsoever. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. In the nerve center, a very nemesis-looking brother, Tharg, welcomes us to the comic. There's a picture of the bollard of, of Halo Jones, which I think is British for traffic cone. There's yeah, I was about to say, is 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 bollard traffic cone? Please I got, answer yeah. on the forums or email us or uh, like, comment, subscribe. Always. If bollard is traffic cone. I believe it is. Yeah. There's a request for 2080 stickers like the Dune and He-Man ones we've gotten. A Trill Thro- Cr- a, a Cr- Tro Thargo nomination. A teaser for Robo Hunter's re- return. He'll be back in Prog 435. And some nice Tharg compliments. Mid-Prog, there's a giant statue being built in memoriam of Glyph from Halo Jones. But the workers have forgotten their name midway through. Which is funny, but also super rough. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh... So I get it, and haha, fun. But also, um, I I am really glad that they did this. And yes, they they did the joke. But um, I think, at least in my mind, 
uh, whether or not it's true. Artists and writers alike kind of got what was going on. I think it's more... When, yeah. when I got onto this page, it was actually really striking, uh, given context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love, and I I'm, I will go on record right now saying glyph uh, nice. I mean, I think it's definitely there more for the joke than anything else, but I appreciate it. I think it's sort of it sort of points to a future of Halo Jones where presumably at some point she would have had something happen and she'd recover the memory of Glyph and maybe mm-hmm. like write about her, you know, make her make Glyph Glyph's pre- sorry, write about them or uh, make Glyph's presence known in the course of history mm-hmm. that someone would commission this kind of statue, which I think is yes. an interesting sort of point about the future of uh, about uh, Halo's future. I suppose like like I wasn't even thinking in use. Like you can use a full page for for adverts or for like a yeah. half advert and some garbage to give like a a full colored yeah detailed page to something it's to me even if it's for a punchline like it's a pretty good punchline yeah it's good it's a good um some some good spotlighting of this character um yeah. there's also a I love sm- Halo Jones always sorry keep going no problem there's a small preview for the return of Ace Trucking it'll be back in Prog 428 and just so everybody knows for the record we'll probably reach 25% done in late spring of next year anyhow Speaking of things that are mostly done and being different, genetic, and possibly dead, it's Thrill 4, Rogue Trooper. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that I love your transit? <laughs> yeah, fair amount. I always appreciate it, though. Uh, scripter about Jerry Finley Day, art about Jose Ortiz, letting her about Tony Jacob. So, hey, remember those crabs? I guess it's not a big problem anymore. Well, yeah, you know, um, the, the island is rapidly being flooded by um, high tide. In a desperate move, Bagman uses his remote hacking skills to summon several nearby ships. And Dret and uh, Rogue hits him with incendiary grenades, which cooks these uh, man crabs like a giant uh, crab pot. It's pretty cool. But yeah, so disaster averted. The crabs are dead and Rogue swims to safety. He's still being shadowed by that sole survivor of the man bats from earlier, but the man bat stays out of range. Rogue and the chips make it to land and it's time to continue the hunt for the antigen. So just to, I guess, like other side count here, like mm-hmm. I know there's probably a setup for the, the man bat three, uh, two, two thirds man, uh, one, two quarters bat. Um, no, he's just half like, man, half bat. He's not a bat centaur, dude. Come on. Okay. <laughs> not like a slug centaur. Centaur, of course, two thirds, two thirds horse, half man. Anyhow. <laughs> I, I love. Okay. So, uh, what really disappointed me in this, there was this big buildup, and I think the, the both of us really liked like this pincer intensity at the end of the yeah, last Yeah, I week. liked the fight between them for sure. Everybody was fighting on the four corners of the side. Yeah. Exactly. I just think they missed an opportunity where this thing could have flown in and, and had him go on a tangential course. And I get like using the chips for, for cool shit and all of that. We already know that. Bagman was barfing grenades at Um, I was. I was actually holding out that the Batman would have saved him and all of this stuff. And instead, it's just uh, he's just going to keep following us until like kind of inevitable betrayal where maybe out of luck for a reason. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, the, the Batman's just there, too. Out. You know, he's like shadowing Rogue to kill him. So I don't know, maybe just waiting for him. You know, yeah, exactly. We'll get to like, it's, uh, just a, it's just a ball in the air, you know. I guess I'm just bummed out because I was hoping for uh, this character kind of swoop down, characterize themselves, and then maybe do a backstab. Yeah. I would have been with that. But instead, it was kind of just, 
you know, the chips did what chips do and they got out of it and it was fine. And, and I'm not saying that I'm not okay with that. Uh, I'm simply saying that I always wish that Rogue will go deeper, especially given what it's surrounded by. Yeah, I mean, which I think we'll get into. There. Yeah, I mean, there's a fair amount of stuff to come for Rogue, so this stuff could still happen. Maybe it's just going to blow it right away. Anyhow, I'm, um, I'm not saying it won't. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after taking two progs off, Rogue is on the move. He goes to hide to rest in an alien temple and quickly falls asleep. The chips are on guard duty with some bellygaking from Gunner. Uh, when they pick up a Nort troop column, they uh, it's mostly made up of like gas-masked rhino men, which are kind of cool. Um, which I guess, judging by their their speech, they are a, quote, subspecies. Yeah, they're like, uh, they, they're insulting these uh, rhino. Instead of letting Gunner shoot like them all... Yeah, Bagman decides to scare them off, and the chips uh, flash like, or like, like Helm uses like laser sight, and he just makes strange mm. lights and sounds come from inside the temple as Rogue snooze nearby. This seems to work as the group of troops runs from the place, even turning on their commander when he tries to get them to attack. Rogue, Rogue wakes up refreshed and appreciates and appreciates the chips' actions, but he's got to head out to find the antigen and restore his buddies. Next time, Hell March. You know, I I as we'll get into this. so so I feel like um, the the previous episode that we recorded uh, gave so much more context to how the chips could help just simply by them all working together and Rogue being a part of it mm-hmm. versus this where they're they're just arguing for most of it and then a thing happens for a panel they're fine and Rogue wakes up. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't know. I felt like I like this it was... when they're working as a team. I guess I like, felt like this was pretty decent doing. teamwork of like um, Helm, like using lasers to make mysterious noises, and like Bagman, or to make mysterious lights, and then Bagman like like shouting and making noises too, and just the two like the two of them sort of working their way to find a solution to a problem that mm-hmm. wasn't just Gunner shooting them all. I guess I thought this seemed like a decent like you know. I mean, it's not like. Um, it's not the worst. It's, it's, I, I'm definitely. I mean, try, I mean I'd I'm say, not trying to paint yeah. this. That I mean, I'd say it's it's I, not the greatest, but I feel like it's a it's a decent use of these characters doing stuff that's not just um and you know because it seems like the easiest way would just have been like oh like another problem solved by Gunner's auto firing. So I felt like that was <laughs> like you know this is a decent attempt. I will say that I I I don't know if I buy. Like the ang- the, uh, the the chip angst that we're getting here. Yeah, like, I mean, especially like, that's like Gunner's talking a lot about um, like you know forgetting that they're men and that like true. he wants them to be chips and stuff. And it that's just seems well, yeah. I'm just yeah. That, that's what that's my point is that that seems like yeah. an odd and an odd objection to have when the whole point of this story is going to Horst to get to get their bodies back. Like it's not like mm. New Earth where you could argue that Rogue was ignored. like there were a couple of times that like crashed with Mil- clashed with Millicom where it mm. seemed like Rogue was putting his need to take out the traitor general ahead of their need to get their bodies restored. In this case, he's specifically doing everything in in the service of getting their bodies back. And so to not and and so to sort of call that into question seems like sort of ungrateful or like um like crazy on Gunner's part as opposed to, or like, you know, like overly complaining or something as opposed to like a um stance. I think that's fair. And maybe where I found the like kind of problem, right? Like I think that 
since we've started this situation, they've definitely had more situations. They're all kind of yeah. supposed to just rogue a thing and digging a hop out, etc. Um, but I think you're right. Like, it's just not certain thing I'll be following that I'm not connecting necessarily. I, I don't know. I just, uh, there's something weird about this whole thing that I'm not getting. Through line, the rest of the elements of what's it is I mean, weekly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it just sort of feels like um, they're sort of they're they're br- like when they bring up the same New Earth complaints that they had before. Some of them aren't quite um, as valid as they were on New Earth yeah. versus on Horstag. I dig that. Like I'm I'm there with. You. Yeah. So anyhow, Fox. Uh, speaking of walking around strange alien worlds as a mysterious thing floats high overhead, maybe or far <laughs> off in the distance, Great. it's. It's Thrill 5, Strontium Dog. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Gordon Robson. The big bust of 49 continues as the trike ridden by Wolf and Midden-Faced McNulty is hit by a laser blast. Help my bob. Snap, I'm going to fly off this motherfucker. Yeah. The bounty hunters are okay, though, and Wolf takes the gunner out with a throw of his happy stick. Uh, yeah, it's good job. Give that man a coconut. Dude, that man's a fucking cucumber. Yep. Meanwhile, Johnny Alpha scans the base and finds some friendly droids and another sneaking blob guy who he takes out by shooting through the wall. The surviving blobs are piled into Middenface's bounty RV, and Johnny <laughs> scans them all and asks them if they've heard about Zen, the brain wraith. I guess no one, so let's keep rolling and forget about these bots. Yeah, well, they're fine on their own. They ride off. Yeah, and they're sort of leaving behind. Do as you want to. That night, the boys camp out as the blob camp is visited by Darkus the Howler and his baboon gang. They question slash torture the friendly droids and learn that Johnny's after Zen the the brain rate. This will complicate things. I like that before this, like, I really love how Middenface, like, uh... Like gets a part of the group, just like just talking about stuff, man. Like I, I, I like how relaxed he is about getting these bounties. Yeah, I guess. they're just having a good time, man. Um, we see bounty hunters bringing folks in, just kind of in a in a montage, both alive and dead. There's a cool dude with dragon head with alien tracker hounds. We see the howlers flush them outlaws out by dropping scorpions in on their hiding places. Dude, they don't I take prisoners. Hate scorpions. It's tough, man. Imagine like twenty I being dropped on you by some murderous baboon. So man. much. No, I don't want to. <laughs> and baboons they, are gross. Yeah, they don't take prisoners, unlike the Strontium dogs who still load them into the uh, into the bounty RV. Though they do kill some of them, and as their corpse freezer fills up, they end up just keeping the hands and burying the rest, forcing Jesus. the other uh, the bounty the uh, the bounty prisoners to um, bury them all and stuff. Ugh. At nightfall, the boys head into a settlement and find it mostly all taken out by bounty hunter Stonegrind and his wives, which are sort of these rocky alien people. I love that they just kind of chill out. Yeah, well, I mean, these guys are all professionals. They just sort of like are like, hey, whatever. Like, uh, there's no bartender anymore, so let's just go to this bar and uh, get drunk, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and, and it feels like search and destroy agents aren't just out to just fuck you for the yeah. most part. They're I mean, just there to yeah. You're there catching bounties, then, hey, man, that's your thing. Totally. Although, although I think only um, Wolf, 
Johnny and Middenface are search destroy agents or strong team dogs. The rest of these guys are like alien bounty hunters, not associated with that stuff for the record. Um, sure, it's it's just kind of cool. But there to is see a lot of professionalism between all these bounty hunters. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, they all drink at the cantina except Middenface, who's on guard duty and gets a bottle and starts drunkenly teaching the song, I Belong to Glasgow, to prisoners <laughs> when suddenly the howlers arrive. Oof. The, uh, the bounty hunters talk shop as the howlers walk in, drink booze, ask about Zen the Brain Wraith, and Johnny isn't into that discussion and just walks out. Yeah, you can ask those other dudes about it. I'm out. Yeah, the prisoners have picked up the song pretty well, and Johnny checks the records on the uh, local trading post and sees that one place has ordered a ton more food than normal, and apparently the Hmm. Brain Wraith needs to eat a lot of food because he just uses a lot of energy and stuff. Um, that could be a clue. So they decide to go check it out and erase the record so no one else could get the info. Um, the song that Middenface is teaching his prisoners is getting increasingly <laughs> complex and thick accented as he goes. We don't know how to say this, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he sort of yells at them. But because of this, he's easily distracted. And one of the howlers is able to sneak up and place a tracker in the dog's vehicles. Ooh. They head out to get the brain wraith. The howlers following behind. Dogs arrive at the Keeler mine. It's lunchtime and they're on the hunt for the brain. And so everybody's in one place for Johnny to check for the brain wraith. He uh, passes out bottle guns to trap the electroplasmic wraith. And then they head down, use Johnny's Alpha Vision to scan the crowd for crazy brain actions, finally finding the wraith. I guess just finding a a brain uh, double octopus in your mind space. To me, it kind of looks like uh, like the back of Spider-Man's suit sometimes has a stylized spider on it with little stubby legs. It kind of looks like... super tick. Yeah, it looks like that, but way pointer. Yeah, exactly. Super tick. Um, So (laughs) that's the brain wraith. They uh, burst in, and he's the mind's cook, so apparently he's been eaten while he's been cooking food for people. That's fucking weird. Uh, the bounty hunters break in, they brace the culinary professional, and they're basically like, hey, like we're going to stop you from eating, so eventually we're going to force you out of that guy's body. We'll be able to bottle gun you. But, and like as they wait, the they come under fire, or sorry, first the brain wraith attacks, and they subdue him, and then... Bullets come, shots ring out. It's the Howlers. They want the Brain Wraith, too. Apes. Yeah, it's time time for some dog versus baboon action. Next time, a shot in the darkest. (laughs) Because Darkest and the Howlers is the name of the baboon guys. Fun stuff here. (laughs) It's so fucking fun. I love Strong Doom Dog. Like, good action to start. I really liked uh, Drunken uh, Midden Face. That was really fun. Teaching guys I belong to Glasgow, and now we're about to have a big showdown on three fronts with the dogs fighting both the baboons and hope they're right through some brain rate stuff. It's nice. I'm into it. Yeah, super excited. Um, and let's just sort of cool down as we get out of here with Thrill Six Future Shocks. Uh, two Future Shocks this episode. One is a one pager called Aggravation. Uh, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Eric Bradbury, letter robot Tony Jacob. Uh, some guy eats alien eggs as a co-worker reads an article about That's slime mucus idea. reptiles. Things that lay those eggs. Uh, he's mm. like, oh, these things are everywhere and they're laying these eggs. And people say not to eat them, but I'm eating them a lot because I don't like these guys. And I'm going to eat their eggs. There aren't any more of them. Where do they come from anyway? And as he does, he uh, turns into one of these slime mucus. Oh, look. Oh, no. Uh, second story is Breathless. Script robot Peter Milligan. Art robot Brent McCarthy as our brand. Letting about Richard Starkins. Yeah, this one's fine. 
Uh, there's three dudes on an alien planet without a lot of air. Uh, Turner kills Sloppy Joe, and Captain Grenz gives chase. Grenz hunts down Turner, who runs out of oxygen and dies laughing, because the reason why he killed Sloppy Joe was that he was tired of him being so sloppy, and the straw that broke the camel ba- camel's back was that he didn't refill Captain Grenz's hover bike with oxygen, so Captain Grenz is going to die of mm. um, being out of oxygen, too. What a dick. Yep, everybody's dead because Sloppy Joe wasn't careful. You gotta be careful in space. It's real deadly. Why would you hire a guy named Sloppy Joe? It's true. Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Sloppy Joe now. Anyhow, fuck. Sloppy Joe. Slop, Sloppy Joe. Hoo yeah. Serious question. What were your top and bottom thrills for this? Um, May and June 1985. All right, well, we'll start uh, with my clear bottom, which I rarely do for a twofer. Um, I wasn't super into Road Trip this time. I know I'd give a bottom sometime, but this time it wasn't, I guess, something super fun for, uh, mm-hmm. for reasons described. Just, uh, like, the back art was more exciting for me, where he's just <laughs> grabbing a bat dude and pointing a gun, you know? Sure. Um, but I did want to give uh, a couple of call-outs for my top. So first, I want to say that I, I had such a ton of fun with Strontium mm-hmm. this month, like, I'm really excited, basically, to see where this whole darkest situation goes. Like, uh, I love Midden Face. I love Midden Face getting drunk. I love Midden Face <laughs> bringing around, like, a, a jail truck of people to give them booze, only to try to teach them how to sing his song while drunk, and all of them being <laughs> Um But my, my big thing, man, like, where I was really just, like, watching the whole time and what I want to see happen, want to know what happened, is... Anderson side division, man. Like I was super into it. Uh, I'm super into where it's going. Like, uh, obviously, I guess I would hazard a guess that she's probably gonna get super disfigured uh, going to a penal colony. However, like there's all this death going on. Now it's leaking into judge. She's trying to fix it. And she's trying to fix it outside uh, of the restrictions that she's and I'm I'm interested, man. Like, I, I already like Judge Anderson. So maybe I'm I'm pretty skewed. But uh, how do you deal with teleportation? I guess with more teleportation, mm-hmm. but uh, how do you counter teleportation with like double teleportation? Yeah, That's my big thing. So how about you, Conrad? What's your top? Oh man! So your bottom was Rogue Trooper for this month. Correct. All right. That's fair. I'm just, I'm just making sure. Um, man, this is a hard month to figure out. There's a couple, like a bunch of this stuff is. Um, mm. Slain's real good. Anderson is amazing. Um, Tread is like a bunch of um, just sort of stories of the week, basically, but 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 pretty decent ones. Um, you know, Future Shocks are just sort of doing what they're supposed to and sort of don't overstay their welcome. And um, Strontium Do- or uh, Rogue Troop is just starting out, based, or just sort of ending one story and starting another one. And then Strontium Dog, I just really love this bounty hunting montage and just get, giving these guys a chance to run around and do bounty hunting. You know, I really yeah. like that kind of Strontium Dog stuff. And so it's a really good thing to have coming after, um, like, Outlaw, which is so much about, like, mutant politics like that. Perfect. You know, so I'm going to say for my hop, I'm going to say Side Division, Anderson Side Division. Fuck yes! Just, um, you know, the ju- dark judges warping around and killing everybody and just, like, the, uh, 
like just the the level of carnage that they inflict and Anderson's and like all the judges really being helpless about it and Anderson trying desperately to find a way to solve it and like making the stakes for like even if she's successful she might still go to Titan and stuff is really interesting um so yeah I'm really excited for that and I just love you know th- this is a great story and just again a great entry for Anderson into you know as a solo character and I also really like that it crossed over with Judge Dredd um in part of this month like dread showing up afterwards very a part of the canon yeah it it just makes it feel like the city's alive and connected um for my bottom uh, i mean i'm gonna go for the easy one yeah i'm tempted to say rogue trooper but there were only two of them and honestly i didn't like i didn't mind the rogue trooper stories you didn't mean it story um i kind of liked the destroy like how they how they dealt with the crab men and all that stuff, I kind of liked the opening of this new part and how they sort of tricked the Rhino guys and stuff. That was, um, I guess, me, and like it really hurts me to say this, but especially if I take um, Rogue out of the running, I might say I don't. Um, Slain is my bottom. Yeah, I guess that's how I feel. I guess mostly it's, it's too much be- shit. It's yeah, like um, it just feels like there's so much going on and. So much of it, like, is really confusing if you really kind of look into it and stuff. (laughs) Like, this whole, like, good balancing evil in a really direct sense. I don't think I actually like it as, like, a philosophy, I guess. (laughs) Like, um... um, That's fucking fair. Like... That doesn't really sound how things work from like or no, I don't know if that's how things work, but that's not how I'd like things to work, I guess. Um, and it very much and like I don't know, like the Scytherons seem way too powerful or something like that. Um, and just like I don't really like up just warping and laser. Yeah, and I don't know if I really like this relationship between Slain and and uh, and uh, Murdoch either. Mm. Like I just don't really see what the point. I'm still waiting for for Murdoch to do to like. Not, like, carry his weight, but just kind of be like, okay, like, here's the reason why there's this other character besides just needing someone to admire Slain and think that Slain's... Re- um, and that's what I expect. Is that not what it is? I mean, I, I just think there could be more, especially because we're talking so much about, like, destiny and, like, yeah. time doing all this time travel stuff and things like that. Like, mm. I don't know. That might be me... Me being me expecting too much. Like I like Pluke, but again, I don't just like this idea of like, oh, like listen, like Pluke is now a main character. Well, no, I mean it's more just like again, it's just the balance stuff that I don't like. Where it's like, oh, like listen, like I said nice things to Pluke and he went faster, but then I was mean to him and I was going slower. You know, that's all garbage. And all these people, like you all, like hear a bunch of people uh, sacrificing themselves, like uh, you know, doing a bad, doing something good, so that or forcing evil to do something evil so that something good will happen like that seems so weird to me i just i, I don't like it very much um, i like Pluke because i can eat him and he gives me something yeah i mean i kind of like him as a as like a you know just kind of an animal mascot character but the ethos <laughs> behind him i'm not a huge fan of um and i guess i just feel like i feel like at this point everybody's sort of moving around to kind of get to the next big set piece and i'm ready to get to that set piece i guess um, and so I don't know. Yeah, I'd say I think that's fair. I'd say Slain's my bottom at the moment. Um, this part of it is just like I don't know. 
Man, I miss when the, I I do kind of miss when this is just a story about a dude with an axe and his goblin, and they were just kind of doing like fantasy Dragon heists. Yeah, like fantasy capers, basic. And yes. so now that it's got all this sci-fi stuff and is for the the fate of the world, I'm not sure how if I'm if I'm as down with. I guess <laughs> I'm not down with weird. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is something that is going to that I I feel like I've got to make my peace with as we go forward with. With Ooh. slain nemesis okay. and sort of Pat Mills in the nineties, but um, <laughs> it's still um, it's something that at least initially I'm I'm having some tea with. But yeah, so th- so that's how it goes. Again, like slain isn't terrible. It's just like um, I don't know. This part of slain isn't for or it's, this slain isn't for me. I guess as as, as opposed to the other stuff. Less exposition, more stabbing. It's just like there's so much like. Pay comic comic book pagan nonsense that it's sort of a lot anyhow anyhow <laughs> i hope everybody enjoyed the show as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitch the google play store or our podcast site space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our facebook instagram twitter pages on twitter at space spinner 2k for everything else space spinner 2000 that's us buddy uh and then Ooh. come come back next time as johnny alpha starts a new mission rogue yes. meets another traitor anderson yeah. nears a showdown with the dark judges slain is sent to the arena and the midnight surfer arrives in mega city one apparently this is a big deal i am excited Mega yeah midnight surfer is one of my favorite dread stories and until then yeah totally and until then i'm conrad eastbox and we are space spinner 2000 I wasn't really sure what was going on. I wasn't really sure what was going on.